0: Hello, Ethos Church, it's Andrew Smith. If I don't already know you, I serve as our discipleship pastor on the team. We are excited about jumping into a season of prayer and fasting as a church family and wanted to give you a resource that covered the what, the why, and the how of fasting. Now, what you're about to listen to was recorded in a recent Grow class taught by myself and a couple of our other pastors, Brandon Steele and Dave Clayton. We hope it's helpful in taking your next step with God in prayer and fasting. But I want to invite us to just jump right into the conversation together.
1: Uh, My name is Dave. Uh, This is Brandon and this is Andrew. almost knocked over, over that music stand. And I love these moments where we get to do grow classes, where we have people from our different worship gatherings, from our different locations that get to come together and have conversations like this. In fact, one of my favorite things that we get to do At ethos uh, is not just what happens on sundays but these smaller environments where we can just kind of dig in together we can ask questions we can we can talk and so tonight we're just going to have a conversation around fasting and if you're the type of person that likes to know hey where are we going to go we're just going to follow a really simple outline we're going to start by talking very practically like what is christian fasting like like when we say fasting because it's kind of a buzzword you hear it in our culture and there's a lot of things that are happening around intermittent fasting and and health and diet and all of that. But when we talk about Christian fasting, like, what do we mean by that? Second part uh, of our conversation tonight is going to be, okay, not what is it, but how does it work by the power of the Holy Spirit? Like, so uh, if that's what it is and we lean into it, how does God show up in the midst of something so kind of strange and foreign and 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 what does he do in the midst of that? How can we trust that? And then the the ending portion is going to be, okay, if that's what it is and this is how the Holy Spirit works in the midst of it, how can I take my next step into it? So, you know, some of you have maybe never entered into a Christian fast and you're going to go, how do I do this for the first time? Some of you have done this lots of times and you're going, okay, how do I take my next step? And I just want to say this on the front end. There's no part of this where you're sitting next to someone going, how do I do what they're doing? Or, how do I do more than they're doing? It's, you know, we're not going to have a moment at the end where you turn to your neighbor and you say, how are you going to fast? And then you try to beat them. You know, it's like, <laughs> none of that. It's just, hey, how do we, in the context of community, get a, get a grasp of, around what God is trying to do? Because maybe you've heard us say this before. Fasting is not about you doing something great to get God's attention. Fasting is about you saying, God, I want to put myself in a position for you to have all of my attention. For you to get my attention, for you to say what you want to say, for you to want, for you to do what you want to do. And so um, that's the journey that we're going to go on to, uh, tonight. If you've been around uh, Ethos for some time, there's going to be some things that you've probably heard before. And we believe that repetition is key to transformation. And so our goal tonight is not to be innovative or new. It's just to be helpful. And so if, if, if you hear something you've heard, we just say, hey, dial in and say, God, what do you have for me in that season? But we believe there's going to be hopefully lots of things that are sort of fresh and new and uh, really honored that you're here. We're also going to do Q&A at the end, and we're going to try to keep this tight because we know you have lots of things going on in your life, and so we're not going to, our goal is not to ramble. We want to we teach and then give you a place to ask questions, and so as we go throughout out the night, if you have any questions, just write them down, and hopefully we'll get to them publicly, and if we run out of time publicly, we'll stick around and answer questions that you have, so um, Nick, would you mind just praying over our time together tonight, and, and uh, I'll just give you the mic. You can pray over us, and then we'll jump in the microphone. It's it's more official if you're praying over the mic. God, thank you for this time that we're gathered here together, and like Dave said, like we're here for you. We we want you, and
0: so I just ask that you show up, and we know that you will, because when we're gathered together
1: in your name, you show up, and (laughs) we are here with anticipation, and so we're excited. We love you. We need you always. We pray on the same kingdom Come, Amen. Amen. You know, so before we jump into those three kind of big buckets, I want to just start by explaining, like, why do we do this as a church family? If if you've been a part of our, our journey for several years, maybe you've seen this rhythm, you know, where we we do a big fast in the middle of the year, or the beginning of the year, we fast on the first Wednesday of every month, we take a few days in the fall and we fast, and so maybe you're used to hearing us do this, but you've never really wrestled with how we started doing this, why we do it. You know, when I think about fasting, uh, I'm reminded of, of a moment right after Sydney and I got married. We've been married almost 18 years. And it was in our first year of marriage. Uh, we got this invitation in the mail. And maybe you've gotten one of these invitations before, but it shows up and it says, congratulations, you've won a prize. Have you ever gotten one of these things before? And it's like, all you have to do to get the prize is show up and listen to some 90-minute you know, sales pitch. And they're like, you don't have to buy anything. And, and I told Sid, I'm like, we won a prize. And she's like, we're not going. I'm like, but we've won a prize. We've got to go. And, and I said, hey, let, let's go, let's get the prize, and, and then we won't buy anything, and then we'll leave, and we'll just basically be rich. And she's like, okay, we can do it. And so we didn't have anything else to do. Uh, young marrieds, uh, you know, poor, uh, didn't have anything to do with the evening. So um, we get in the car, and we go down, and I'll never forget this guy stands up. We walk into this small little conference room, no windows. There's like a prison cell. You know, You walk in, And we're all there, and I'll never forget this. He stands up in the front of the room, and he said, let's just get really honest for a second. He said, I know when you all were driving here, you spent the whole time talking about your strategy for how you're not gonna buy anything. He goes, I know that, you know that, we all know that. And and, and he said, and so you're sitting here, and in your heart, you've already decided that you don't wanna do the thing that I'm gonna ask you to do. He said, but here's the deal. He goes, I believe in 30 minutes, I'm going to make all of you do the thing you don't want to do. And I'm like, that's bold. And I kid you not, though, at the end of 30 minutes, he like took all our money. Like, I mean, (laughs) dude was amazing. And we're just like, where do we sign the check? And, you know, just it was one of those moments. And I think of that as probably a terrible metaphor because we're not going to try to con you out of anything tonight. (laughs) Um, But a lot of times when I think about this conversation of fasting, there's this tug of war that's happening inside of us where we go, do we really want to do this? Like, I know we're supposed to, but should we? Like, how do we know? And, and, and I would argue that if you showed up here on a Wednesday night, you probably don't have that obvious level of resistance, you know, because you're going, hey, I want to learn about it. But even for those of us that are here on a Wednesday night like this, there is still something in us when we try to enter into a season of fasting. There is all of this resistance. And, um, and I think a lot of that's just spiritual because I believe the enemy knows what's on the table, For us when we enter into these seasons and so for me part of the way that I broke through this barrier it was almost eight years ago uh, God opened a door for our family to spend some really significant time um, in other parts of the world working with some of our church leaders there and over the course of that year we spent time in Europe and in Africa and in India and one of the things that we experienced in every place was this radical hunger for Jesus unlike anything we'd seen and I remember when we started thinking back on all of the things that we saw in those various places, one of, one of the connecting factors in all of them is that all of the followers of Jesus there had this consistent rhythm of communal prayer and fasting. And one of the things that sort of lit the vision in our hearts that we began bringing back to our church family here was when our family was in Kenya. And we were there for almost a month and and I remember being in Kenya, and we were staying with this amazing family. And we didn't know this, but when we landed in Kenya, they were on day 30 of a month-long fast. And I remember Sydney and I, we were around their family, uh, this family that was leading this great church and this great movement. And at the time, they had three kids. Uh, their, their, oldest, uh, their oldest kids were uh, 11, or their oldest kid was 11, and their two twins were 9 years old. And every morning these kids would get up on their own around 5:30 in the morning and they'd go down uh, to the living room and they'd get op- open their Bibles and they'd get open their journals and they would read and they would pray and they would seek the Lord. And I remember Sydney and I were watching this unfold and we're like, "Who are these kids?" These are <laughs> the most amazing kids. And so we watched this go on day after day after day. We saw this hunger in the church, we saw this hunger in this family. We saw this amazing passion for Jesus across the church. And so one day Sydney and I were driving, to the market with uh, this woman who we were staying with her family her name was carol and we said carol um, you've got to let us in on what in the world you are doing in your family in your church that's producing this sort of hunger uh, for god and she i'll never forget this she said there's no silver bullet there's no like quick like you know do these three things and your heart will be ignited for jesus she said but what we have found is we live in a world that is marked by this great intensity for self-gratification. She said, but we're following a savior whose life was marked by self-denial. And she said, if we want to put our kids and our leaders and our church on that path, she said, one of the things that we do regularly is we practice self-denial in order for us to step into the ways of Jesus. And there's just something about it. I remember thinking, okay, we saw it in India. We saw it in Europe. We saw it in Africa. God, you have something for us. And so that began our journey um, almost eight years ago as a church family where we decided we're going to give 10% of our year, 10% of our energy, our days, our time together to seek God together communally in prayer and fasting, just really simply. Um, trusting that God could do more in a month of prayer than, he could in, than we could do in a year or a decade's worth of work, that God just shows up um, when we do things like this together. And so uh, we're about seven years into this journey, and now every year in February, we have churches across the city and across the nation, and now across the nations. This morning I was on a call with leaders from multiple nations whose churches are all entering into this fast with us, and we're just trusting that God is awakening His people on the face of the earth uh, for His heart and for His presence again. And so that's how we got into this journey. That's why we, we do this, and That's a little bit of our background, so every year we're just going, hey, let's just keep stepping into it together um, for the long haul and seeing what God is going to do. So if you're going to take notes, we're going to start with just that basic kind of framework. What is Christian fasting? And then we'll go through the next couple of parts.
2: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Dave. Um, So when we talk about fasting, um, all kinds of ideas maybe come into your mind, all kinds of experiences, potentially, if you've done this before, if you've been around our church. Um, I wanted to start tonight just by saying, what does the Bible actually teach about fasting? So um, I think it's the, the right place to to begin even this conversation. If this is a place that, that guides our life, if God's word that shapes us. Well, what does the scripture have to say? And the truth is the scripture has a ton to say about fasting when you really get into it. If you ever read through the Bible, Um, just kind of slowly you notice, like, oh, Old Testament and New Testament, this is something that's interwoven all throughout the scriptures. And so tonight, we don't have the time to look at all those passages of scripture. In fact, that's one of the things that we're going to really kind of do on the first Wednesdays of the month, is we, like, just take one piece. We're just trying to work through every passage of scripture where it talks through prayer and fasting. Um, But tonight, what I really want us to hone in on is, like, what about Jesus? Like, when Jesus came to this world, the Son of God, God himself? What did he say about fasting? And so there are two, two different instances in scripture that we have where Jesus spoke about fasting. And one might be really familiar to you. It's on the Sermon on the Mount. And the context is Jesus says, you know, hey, when you pray and when you give and when you fast. And how often as Christians, you know, maybe this wasn't your story, like we were all about praying the church I grew up in and even just understanding like oh yeah we're going to do that and all about giving like of course that's a part of what it means to follow Jesus but fasting was not a part of that and so I think we kind of just relegated that oh that was what they did Jesus was speaking to them that was what was going on in their day the other time um, that Jesus speaks of fasting is in Matthew chapter 9 and John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they say "Um, Jesus the Pharisees are fasting and and we're fasting but why aren't you know peter james and john why aren't the 12 fasting what's up with that and jesus says this really interesting thing to them he says hey how can you fast while the the bridegroom is with them but there will be a day when the bridegroom is taken from them and on that day my people will fast and so you know you have these two instances in scripture and i think anytime anything in scripture is spoken even once you got to give like weight to it you got to look at it you know so if jesus speaks about it twice it's like okay there's some importance there. And so as Christians, we have to go, well, what do we do with that? Do we read those passages of scripture and go, hey, that was Jesus speaking to a specific people in a specific time. Um, you know, those kind of commands are now obsolete. They don't apply to us. And I think that's how some people interpret those passages of scripture. I don't agree with them, but I think that's how some interpret. I think the, the most accurate way of understanding that was Jesus was speaking to his disciples in every generation that would follow. Um, So when you fast and and when the bridegroom is taken, you will fast. And so um, I I want us to start there tonight, just to even understand, okay, well, what did Jesus say? But what did Jesus do? So Jesus clearly talks about fasting. Look at his life. Um, We're gonna talk about this in just a minute, but he fasted, we know that. He began his earthly ministry, 40 days fasting. Um, Jesus taught on fasting. Um, This is important, the the early church fasted. Um, You read this in the book of Acts, you see it in several different instances. And so it was this thing that, that God came to earth and fasted. He taught on it, his people fasted. And, and so, you know, as God's people, people who are trying to follow Jesus, literally imitate Jesus and be like Jesus, we go, if we're serious about actually becoming like him, let's be serious about doing the things that he did. And fasting is a, a part of that. Now, here's, here's what I want to say, um, fasting, um, let's, let's give a definition for fasting. It's, it's abstaining from food or drink for a set period of time, okay? That's plain and simple what, what fasting is. You get that definition on the internet. You know this from, you know, if you're into to health trends and stuff. Um, but the biblical idea behind fasting is, is you give something up in order to get something else. Um, the emphasis cannot just be on giving up something. That the, there is, there is something to that, that I really do believe that there's something, even what Dave was saying about self-denial, there's something, and Dave's going to unpack this in a minute, there's something about stepping into fasting in and of itself, choosing um, to, to deny yourself, that is, is biblical, it's the way of Jesus, um, but it's not just about giving something up, it's about getting something, that that when fasting in the worldly sense, if you're not following Jesus, it's, you know, you're fasting for health benefits. Man, um, you're fasting for whatever reason. Fasting from a Christian perspective is you're setting food aside in order to get more of God. And, and let me just unpack this real quick. Um, Dave's going to really kind of talk through this more thoroughly. Um, but when I, um, over the years, doing this as a church family, you just, you learn about, you know, experience just has this way of really helping you like bring things down into your life, right? So you read something and then you experience it. And, and so fasting has kind of had that same um, pull on my life. One of the things that I realized is, one of the, the, the best gifts that you get from fasting is you just get God. Like, you just get a closeness with God. There's, there's something about stepping into these seasons that, man, and, and this is not always gonna be the case, you know, I think back on the past couple of years of doing this, and I go, half the beginning of the fast I always dread it. Just confessionally, like there's nothing fun about, at least for me, stepping into a season of giving things up that I love, like food. Um, but halfway through, man, the past couple of years I've gone, there's been such a sharpness, like a um, such a, a, a seeing God just move, seeing God like. Seeing God in my wife, seeing God in my kids, seeing God move in our church, a hunger, that, that there's something about um, these seasons that just help you hone in on God. Like when you're thinking about God and you're setting aside more time for God, don't be surprised when you start seeing God at work. And so one of the best gifts of, of fasting is, man, you're, you're, you're giving something, but what you really is you're getting so much more. Like you're getting God. And I found so often in those seasons, like halfway through fasting, I'm like, man, why I don't ever want to give this up like the closeness that you feel with God. And I'm just prefacing that to know what's on the table. And that might not be your experience this year. It might not be your experience next year, um, but I'm just going, it's, it is a part of what happens is that when you step into seasons, you get more of God. Um, I'm almost done. I'll talk through kind of the, the very practical. Um, well, let's just go there. So when you, when you think about biblical fast. Um, there are really three types of biblical fast and then a, a fourth type of fast that just kind of makes sense in the culture and the context that we live in. And so, you know, the four types of fast is, the first type is a major fast. And there different people have different language for these things, but just for the sake of, kind of our family and our conversation, we're going to put it in these buckets. And so a major fast is 24 hours or more, um, either um, not eating or not eating and drinking. And so you see this in the Bible, you see this, um, specifically in Jesus Matthew chapter 4 verse 2 if you want to go check this out I was so just encouraged by how many Bibles were brought in tonight I think that's that's just pretty spectacular like that don't just take our word for it, like seek these things out you know we we lead and as we feel the, the weight of, of leading well but it's also like our, our responsibility your responsibility to go okay hey, is what they said actually true do we actually see this and so um, major fast. You see this in the life of Jesus. You see this in the Old Testament in two different people. You see it in Moses's life in Exodus chapter 34. In fact, Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights out drinking food, out drinking water or food um, two different times. Um, you see this also in the life of Elijah in First Kings 19 verse 8. So you have the precedent of these major fasts. And we're not inviting you into a 40-day don't eat, don't drink fast. Like, that's not what tonight is about. But it's more just to help us have some context of, well, where do we see this biblically? A major fast, 24 hours or more, not eating or not eating and drinking. You see this in smaller ways, um, but incredibly significant ways in the life of Saul. Acts chapter nine, verse nine. Saul gets blinded, right, on the road to Damascus. And it says that for three days Saul sat. In darkness, he, he did not eat or drink anything. You see this also in the book of Esther. Um, Esther chapter 4, verse 16, where Xerxes decreed, um, honestly, the first just um, Hitler's, the movement of Hitler to annihilate the Jewish people. And you see this in Xerxes in Esther, um, the queen at the time, decrees his fast for all the Jewish people. You see this in Exodus or Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Um, so you have a major fast. Um, one kind of idea of uh, one biblical idea, understanding of fasting, another um, idea of biblical understanding of fasting is a minor fast. Some people call this a Jewish fast or a sun up to sundown fast, and you know it's a where you fast for a portion of the day and so um, a big portion of our church, our house churches, they kind of stepped into this in the fall. We invited our house churches, "Hey, will you engage in this three-day sun-up- to sundown fast?" You see this in the Bible in several different places. Second um, Samuel chapter one, verse 12. Um, Saul and Jonathan, King Saul, his son Jonathan, after they'd been killed, the, the Jewish people proclaimed they, they fasted um, until that night. Um, you see it in Second Samuel chapter three, verse 35, where David, um, he fasted. Um, over, um, over some sin in the um, in his own among his own people group, and so um, you see this this idea of a, of a sun up to sundown fast. There are also other instances where the Bible talks about fasting. You see it in Nehemiah chapter one verse four. Um, preached on this before, um, he's living many many miles away from Jerusalem. He hears this whole new, old news about the condition of the Jewish people. His heart breaks. It says that he fasts. We see this in Acts chapter thirteen, verses one through three. Church of Antioch. Church of Antioch was fasting. And, um, and we don't know, it doesn't give us context if this is a major fast or a minor fast, um, but we know that these are two buckets that exist in the, the biblical sense, major fast and minor fast. Uh, the third biblical fast that you see is a partial fast. And, and this is when you give up certain foods. And so maybe if you grew up Catholic or if you have Catholic friends stepping into season of Lent so often, they'll give up, you know, a, you know, give up chocolate or you give up wine or you give up something in that season and that's kind of the, the idea of what a partial fast is as you continue to eat but you just kind of modify and so you um, you see this primarily in the book of daniel see it two different times daniel chapter 1 uh, verse 12 where um, the king king nebuchadnezzar brings daniel shadrach meshach and abednego into his service sets his food before them and they say hey um, no offense we don't want to eat that food like we want to eat something different we want to eat fruits and vegetables. And so, you know, this idea of a, a partial fast is you, you know, people in our church family have done stuff like that, or they've set um, different foods aside. You also see this in Daniel chapter 10, verse two and three, where he set aside wine, he set aside meat for three weeks. Um, and so biblical speak, biblically, biblically speaking, you have a major fast, minor fast, you have a partial fast. And then what we, we've also kind of brought this into our church family, this idea of a soul fast. And this is not in the Bible. This is, you're not going to find this anywhere. It wasn't around in Jesus' day. Um, but the idea is that understanding the culture, the context that we live in, where we're just always looking at our phones. And we go home and we put on Netflix, we put on the game. The idea is, hey, to kind of set aside television, or Netflix, or social media, or whatever it is, um, this idea of setting other things aside for the purpose of getting God. And so when we talk about what fasting is, Um, it's setting something aside, you know, food or some other things, but it's not just about setting something aside. It's about setting aside so that you can get more of God. And so I think you're going to talk about what happens, what God does in it. So it's
1: awesome. Hey, if you have a Bible, Luke chapter four, I just invite you to turn there, Luke chapter four. And you know, I always love these moments in our church family where where people decide, hey, we're going to lean into this season of fasting. And every year there's these incredible stories that, that come. And, and I love it because every year we have folks that show up for the first time and they're not following Jesus, but they are, they are interested in God showing up in their life. And they'll join us during this season of prayer and fasting and, and God will do something great. And so I always love, you know, at the end of every fast, we'll just kind of say, hey, do you have any testimonies that you want to share? And uh, two years ago, I'll never forget this story, um, there, were, there were these two guys that, that showed up, one of them had a little bit of a Christian background, he had been coming to our Sunday gatherings occasionally, he wasn't super committed to Jesus or to church, but he was, he was trying to get back in, and maybe that's some of your story tonight, and, and he brought a friend of his with him who had never been to church, didn't know anything about Jesus, but his life had fallen apart, and some of you guys Maybe this is your story or you have friends like this who uh, his buddy from work, nothing was going the way that he wanted it to go. And he's like, I need God to show up. I don't even know if I believe in him, but I need him to show up. And so they they show up on the second week of our fast. And you had this one guy who was sort of a quasi, not sure if he is Christian or not, bringing his completely non-Christian friend to church during the middle of this fast. And so we're up there teaching on fasting and the non-Christian looks at the quasi-Christian and he said, okay, that whole fasting thing, he said, he said, so what are you giving up this month? And the quasi-Christian guy goes, he goes, yeah, I decided to give up porn for the month. And, and the non-Christian goes, ah, he goes, didn't ah. see that coming, did you? Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the non-Christian guy goes, I don't know much about Jesus or church, but I'm pretty sure that's not fasting. That's probably just sin. <laughs> He's like, you probably just need to give that up. And, uh, and, and, and I think God's got something more for you. And, and I say that because every year, you know, people come and there's all of these different experiences and there's all of these different perspectives. But, but what I believe is that God meets us when we come with a humble heart. And we go, man, we, God, we want you. And, and we, we come as we are. And, you know, the, the other half of that story is that guy who was not a follower of Jesus, who showed up and called out his friend and called him to more, the two of them started fasting because the non-Christian's marriage was just in a mess. And he had no idea what he was gonna do, and he didn't know how he's gonna work his way through it. And so uh, every morning that non-Christian decided for the rest of the fast that uh, at night, he, when he went to sleep, he'd put his keys in his shoes and slide his shoes under his bed. And I'm like, that's a weird thing, why do you do that? And he said, because every morning before I could go to work, he said, I'd have to get on my face, and I'd have to scoot under my bed. I'd have to be reminded that the bed I slept in the night before was empty because of my foolishness. And he said, and then I would pray that the Lord would redeem my sin and bring my wife home. And he said, so that's how I'd start every morning for the rest of the fast. And so, you know, he's telling us this story. We're like, okay, so so what happened? And he said, well... We got to the end of the fast a few days later, and he said, My estranged wife called me one day, and he said, I had run her off because of my sin. And he said, But she called and she just went, Hey, I, I know we've filed and I know we're headed in this direction. She goes, but is there any part of you that'd be willing to think about turning this thing around? And and he said, Man, I said, I don't know what I believed about God until that moment. And it's amazing every year, and I, I don't, I don't want to make this, you know, I, I'm not writing checks or promises that we can't fulfill, but it's amazing just what happens when God shows up. And sometimes He ans- or when we show up in the presence of God and ask Him for more, sometimes He shows up the way that we want, and sometimes He doesn't. But what He's so consistently good at is giving us Himself. And He shows up and He gives us Himself um, in in a variety of ways in different places. And one of the things, you know, when I think about, you know, Brandon said, okay, this is what fasting is. It is, it is letting go of something to take hold of someone, you know, letting, letting go of food for the purpose of meeting God uh, in, in a season, that's what it is. So then the question is, how does, it, how does it work? How does the Holy Spirit show up in the midst of a fast and, and really do something in our lives? And I think there's a lot of ways. I love this story in Luke chapter four, Jesus is about 30 years old. He's just been baptized. Um, Literally, God has spoken from heaven. The Father has spoken from heaven. This is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. Jesus has not forgiven any sins. He has not healed a sick person. He's not preached a sermon. He's not done anything public. God goes, I love you because you exist, which is amazing. And then he goes into, he has three years for earthly ministry. He spends the first 40 days in solitude with the Lord in this season of prayer and fasting. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. This is the the moment where he goes into the wilderness and he's fasting and the devil shows up to tempt him for 40 days. But I, I want to just highlight a couple of things. Look at verse 1 with me. It says It's right after his baptism. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. Which sounds like the most obvious statement ever. Right? Like. <laughs> But I, I actually think there's kind of like a double thing going on there. It's like, okay, he was physically hungry, but you know what I also believe? Is that, man, he was hungry for God. That he, that he was physically hungry for some food, but, man, he was hungry for his father's presence. He was longing for, uh, to be with his father. Here's what I want you to notice out of verse 1 and 2. This journey begins. It says he is filled with the Spirit. And then he is led by the Spirit, verse 2. And then for the next 40 days, he's, he's tempted. And so I always tell people, if, if the devil had the audacity to come after Jesus in the midst of his season of consecration before the Lord, do you think the devil might come after you when you said, like, and people go, man, I set aside this fast and all hell broke loose. And I went, all right, you're in good company. That's what happened with Jesus. And if the enemy had the audacity to do that with Jesus, man, don't you think he has the courage to do that with someone like me and you? Of course he does. So he's filled with the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. He's in the desert for 40 days, um, you know, giving up food, like battling the enemy, the spiritual battle. And then look, jump down to verse 13 and 14 um, with me, because I want you to notice where this leads. It says, "And then when the devil had finished all of this tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. And then Jesus returned to Galilee and what? In the power of the Spirit." And news about him spread through the whole countryside. And so I want you to see this trajectory filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, into a season of prayer, fasting, testing. And he comes out filled with the power of the Spirit. And I just started asking the question years ago. I go, okay, what is it about, what is it about fasting that not only gives you strength for the battle, but actually leads you out stronger than you came in? Like, like, what is it about that season that puts you in a place for the Holy Spirit to show up and do something amazing? And I think there's a lot of things that the Spirit does in a season of fasting, but just very quickly, I want to just kind of give you five handles, I think five ways that the Holy Spirit shows up and works in our seasons of fasting, and I'm going to give you some scriptures just as reference for time, we're not going to read all of them tonight, but I'm just going to reference them. Uh, One of the first ways that the Holy Spirit shows up is when we choose to abstain from something. And I mentioned this earlier in our introduction that, that the Holy Spirit works in this act of abstaining. You know, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 35, Jesus says, anybody that wants to be my disciple has to deny themselves. They have to take up their cross. They have to follow me. If you want to find your life, you're going to have to to lose your life, and and one of the ways that Christians have consistently practiced this reality in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in Christian history, and in modern history, is not just the not just the journey of martyrdom, but in our lives is consistently saying, "Hey, God, I'm going to abstain from some things for a season, so that that way you can teach me how to walk in the kingdom," and and the Holy Spirit shows up when we choose to abstain. Um, there's a power in this that, you know, so often whenever I have friends that are following Jesus and they're gripped by some form of addiction, I say, hey, if you want to see uh, the Holy Spirit show up and help you break that uh, addiction, um, fasting is a really powerful tool. And they go, how's that work? You know, um, anybody that I'm ever walking with that has a sex addiction or they're wrestling with, um, you know, alcoholism or substance abuse or um, whatever, I say, you know, you have trained your brain and you've trained your mind over time to, to gratify yourself whenever you have a fleshly desire. And something powerful happens in the Holy Spirit when you say, I'm going to enter into the ways of Jesus. I'm going to abstain. I'm going to say no to my flesh. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will gratify instead of me choosing to satisfy. And and fasting is just a really powerful tool. You know, I I tell folks coming into the fast every year, if there's something that you're really struggling with, this is a great way to say, God, I want to put that on the altar and I'm going to give up lunch every single day and I'm going to to begin training myself that I can endure, that I don't have to always satisfy. You know, we live in a world that, it's a, a, a buy it now sort of world, right? It's like, I want something and I buy it from Amazon and it's here in like an hour, which is freaky. <laughs> it's like, were they watching me? Like, probably, I don't know, but like, things are so instant. Uh, you know, I want music, I download it now. Everything is now, 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 now. And, and the enemy feasts off of that. And you go, man, I, I want something, I want something, I want something. We go, we have to get it. And, and Jesus goes, no. Part of the Christian life is waiting, saying no, denying. And so part of the way the Holy Spirit shows up is in that work of abstaining. But it's not just about letting go of something. Number two, um, he shows up in seasons of prayer and fasting as we learn how to abide. So part of it's about what we let go of, and part of it's about who we lean into. So there's abstaining, and then there is abiding. Abiding is saying, Hey, I'm going to draw near to you, Jesus. I love John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. Walk closely with me, and you will bear much fruit. And, and here's the beauty of abiding, is Jesus knows that we become like the people we hang around. Do you remember that in high school? Like in high school, I look back at my yearbook, it's like every year I dress differently. It's like, oh, I had a different group of friends. you know. And, and we become like the people that we hang out with. And we like to think that we leave that behind in high school. Um, But the truth is, we become like the ones that we abide with. And something amazing happens in a season of prayer and fasting. You let go of some things, but then you lean into Jesus. You abide with Him. You spend time with Him. I always always tell people, if you're just giving up meals, but you're not drawing close to God in that time, you're just doing a really miserable diet. Just a really miserable diet. Um, It'd be better to give up lunch and spend an hour in your car reading the Word than it would be to go 30 days without food, but to distract yourself with TV. <laughs> like, It's not just about what you let go of, it's about who you lean into. And Jesus says, y- y- you lean into me, and you're going to see fruitfulness in your life. And here's one thing that I want to say real quickly about fruitfulness from a fast. Fasting is a lot like financial um, uh, investing, which in our economy this might be a terrible analogy. <laughs> but, but if you think about the way that investing works, is you... You put money in today, and you don't draw it out tomorrow expecting a huge return. You know that I'm sowing seeds today for the harvest I'll reap down the road, right? And so what I believe about fasting is you might see something in the month of February, but I guarantee you if you open your spiritual eyes, you will see something in the year or two years or in the decade to come. It's amazing. Every year before the fast begins, we'll sit there and we'll talk to some family or to some person that go, hey, last year this time I was praying. And I didn't expect any, I didn't think anything happened. But then December rolled around, and look how God answered it. And, and so we trust that in the downstream of these seeds, God does something. And so there's abstaining. The Holy Spirit shows up in it. There's abiding. The Holy Spirit shows up in it. Number three, there's this work of aligning. Aligning. Where the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm going to take your heart, and I'm going to align it with my will. I'm going to take your mind, and I'm going to align it with my will. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, David prays, hey God, would you search my heart? Would you test me? Would you know me? Would you lead me? Like he's just saying, hey, would you look at my heart and then would you direct it in step with you? Because David knew that it's just easy to get out of alignment with God. Uh, every year, part of the thing that Sidney and I pray about in the fast is that, Lord, would you... Would this be like a yearly checkup? Would you look at our life, and if there's anything that's out of step with your will for the Clayton family, would you reveal it to us, and would you lead us in the way everlasting? And he's so faithful in that. like He loves to do that. Um, He doesn't bring things up to torture us or to punish us or to make us feel bad. He goes, hey, I want life to the full for you. And there's this thing that you lost sight of, and I'm going to bring that out. And there's something about seasons of fasting. When we, ab- when we abstain, when we abide, He begins to align us. Number four, um, in the seasons of prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit shows up because we start faithfully asking Jesus for the things that matter to Him. I love Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, if you ask, you what? you receive. If you seek, you find. If you knock, what? The doors open. Jesus goes, there's this thing that happens when you ask, when you seek, when you knock. And he says, this is open to anybody. And what what I found is the context of that passage is he says, when you begin asking me for things that are in line with my desires for your life, he says, you'll start seeing doors open. (laughs) you'll start seeing prayers answered, you'll start seeing things happen. And what i found is a lot of times I need a season of prayer and fasting in order for me to ask God for things that matter to God's heart. Because a lot of times I'm just asking him for things that if he were to say yes, it would ruin my life. You know, but he's like, hey, I love you too much. I'm gonna say no to that. But I enter into a season of prayer and fasting And He's begun to align my heart. He's begun uh, to work in me as I'm abiding. And He starts lining up my prayers with His heart. And all of a sudden doors begin to open. Things begin to change. And and something happens in that season of asking. I always tell people it's also great in a season of prayer and fasting to not be scared to come to God with your scary prayers. Here's the impossible thing. Um, Man, every year there's a couple of prayers that we're praying as a family. That we just go, God, if you don't show up, there's no way it happens. And it's amazing. It's amazing what we've seen God do over the years. He just shows up. We've seen him heal our family members. Um, we've seen him break all sorts of things that were holding us back. We've seen him open doors, and those are other stories for other days, um, but it's happened in seasons of prayer and fasting. And so we abstain. We abide. He aligns so we can ask. And then the last one, uh, one of the last ways that I, I consistently see the Holy Spirit move in a season of prayer and fasting is in this work of activation. Of activation. He begins to call out new dreams, new visions, new plans, new steps, new opportunities for his kids. So what Brandon referenced earlier in Acts 13. You know, if you remember the story of the Apostle Paul, uh, you know, God radically saved his life. And on the day that he was saved, Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do with you. But depending on how you read the scriptures, it was at least 14, if not 17 years before Paul steps all the way into that calling. Sometimes when you're just reading through the Bible, it seems like he's saved, and then tomorrow he's like, you know, supreme missionary. But it was like this long season of waiting. And so Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do. And then God begins developing him for the calling on his life. And so he had told him, in the dark, what he was going to reveal later down in this season of prayer and fasting. So you get to Acts chapter 13, which is years later, and it says, As the church was praying and fasting, that dream that God had put on the Apostle Paul's life was activated. It says in that season of prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Now's the time to set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've made them for. And it's amazing how every year in our seasons of prayer and fasting, people go, Hey... I think God's called me to be a foster parent now. Hey, I think God's called me to work with refugees. Hey, I think God's called me to be a substitute teacher in a difficult school zone. Hey, I think God's called me to give, you know, 10 hours every week of my freelance job to, to serve nonprofits. It's amazing how callings begin to get activated and they go, why is that happening in a fast? Well, I go, you've let go of some things. You've leaned into someone. He's aligned your heart. You're asking him for things. And now he goes, hey, I've got something for you. And I always tell people, fasting is not about God answering your dreams, although I think your dreams are probably awesome. <laughs> fasting is about God giving you his dream. Mm. And it's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing for God's dream to have you. <laughs> and when a God dream gets a hold of you, man, something happens and so this is what these are some of the ways that we see the holy spirit show up and so fasting is you let go of food for a season to lean all the way into the things of god major fast minor fast a daniel fast a soul fast we put ourselves in position the holy spirit shows up through that abstaining and that abiding and that aligning and that asking and then he activates us and then uh, we kind of want to land the plane tonight before Q&A by just going okay so how do we go from where we are right now to like 10 days from now or whatever it is, how do we start a fast? How do we, how do we practically just take a next step? And so Andrew, I'll let you kick us into that. Yeah, and then we'll- Because the reality is
0: if, if you go from understanding the what and really the why, um, and we leave it at that, uh, we're talking about head knowledge. You know, we're talking, okay, great. We understand what fasting is and what it can do. Now, I, I want to get really practical and talk about okay, how do you how do you begin to engage in this spiritual practice? And so I'm going to walk through um, six kind of steps that, that, if you do, I believe you're going to be able to step into uh, fasting in a profound way. Um, and the reason we talk about that the actual how is because Jesus himself Jesus himself said, "Hey, it's the wise man that hears." my words, and puts them into practice. And so the practicality of how to actually do this is just important as the what and the why and what can actually happen. And so um, six simple steps, these are not a formula. So don't don't take this as like, hey, this is my formula for fasting. Think of this more as just a framework for how you can step into fasting. And so uh, first, first step, set your objective. Number one, set your objective. So we've talked about a number of reasons. We just looked at a few reasons biblically. We've talked about a number of reasons why you would step into this. But it's important to know the why. Um, and there's gonna be some communal things. You know, we're, we're asking for awakening in our church. We're asking for awakening in our city. So there's some communal reasons we're, we're fasting. But the question I wanna invite you to wrestle with is, okay, wh- why are you in particular fasting this season? Like, what are the things that God is stirring in your heart? Maybe it's some of the things that Dave mentioned. And I'd encourage you to really spend some time with God in prayer before the fast even begins and say, Okay, God, like, what are the things that you're inviting me to to lay before you? Like, why are you inviting me into the season of fasting? And so here's just a few just kind of big, big picture reasons of, of why you might step into fasting. So one would be for spiritual renewal. Just the renewing of your heart for God and with God. You might be seeking guidance for God on something. Um, there might be something you need a particular wisdom on. And uh, you really are s- just seeking God for wisdom. Discernment in an area of life. Physical healing. So there, there may be something for you or for someone else in the, the physical healing realm you, you might want to fast for. Um, revival. Revival. This is something we're communally doing, but there might be a place where you want to see revival in your workplace, uh, on your campus, like in your neighborhood. Uh, salvation for, for friends and family who don't know Jesus. Uh, so so these, are, these are some just ideas of why you might want to step into fasting. And I think unless you take the time to really set your objectives, um, you're, you're going to struggle throughout the rest of the process. You have to know, know the why. And I would encourage you to write these down actually write the reasons down you are fasting. Um, so that's number one, set your, set your objective. Number two, choose your fast. So very practically, how are you going to fast? What kind of fast are you going to do? Are you going to do a major fast, minor fast, partial fast, sometimes called a Daniel fast, a soul fast? Um, now, a few words of wisdom as you choose your fast. Like with anything, it's really important to know where you're starting. Like just to understand where you are on the journey. If, if I'm going to start working out, we'll see if that ever happens. I'm, I'm going to think about kind of where I am right now before I think about how I'm going to engage in exercise. Um, I'm probably not going to step into the same routine and practices as someone who's been working out consistently for 10 years. So I think you need to ask yourself the question, okay, like where, where am I on this journey Have I fasted before? If so, how have I fasted? For how many days have I fasted? Just to kind of get an idea of of where you're at. And so if if I were you and I've never fasted before, probably not going to start with a 40-day major fast like Jesus. Just word to the wise. like Unless you hear the audible voice of God, that's probably not the place uh, for you to begin. And so... I think by thinking about what you're actually going to do, it's gonna set yourself up well to lean into the season. So in addition to kind of choosing your fast, um, choose the days and the length. So we're getting ready to enter into a month-long season of fasting. I'd encourage you, now this is maybe just me and my type A personality, I'd encourage you to just print off a calendar. like Print off a calendar, have a calendar in front of you. Actually choose the days, and the types of fast you're gonna do on those days. Write it down. I've found that we tend to do the things that we actually write down. So if I'm sitting here and I think, okay, I'm gonna fast in this way, and I don't actually put it on paper, for me at least, you may have a stronger uh, will than I do, it doesn't typically happen. So I'd invite you really, as you choose your fast, not just choose the fast, think through the calendar, think through what days you're gonna fast. So for instance, you might actually want to do a combination of some of these. Um, so for, for someone who's just stepping into fasting for the first time and you think about a month-long journey of fasting, um, you know, you might think, OK, maybe for this first week, I'm going to choose these days and I'm going to do a partial fast. And then as I think about the second and third week, hey, I might choose a, a, a day here to, to, do, uh, to do a major fast. And think through strategically the full scope of the calendar All of this coming to God in prayer, saying, God, what are you inviting me to do? They've said it at the beginning, but this is really important when you choose your fast. This is not like, hey, we're all going to come together as a house church and we're all going to do the same thing. This is not, hey, my friend did this. And so I'm just going to jump on and just do the same thing as my friend's doing. Sometimes in community we can get ideas, but I think it's really important as you choose your fast to bring it before the Lord yourself, to bring your heart before him and just ask him, God, what are you inviting me to do in this season? It's not about how much, um, it's about the heart. And so number one, set your objective. Number two, choose your fast. Uh, Number three, prepare yourself. And so we found it's really a bad idea to just jump into a season of prayer and fasting without some preparation. So on the 30th, uh, when we begin this, if you had not thought about it and you say, oh, I'm going to start fasting today, uh, I, I would I would invite you to take a few days and actually prepare yourself. And so preparing yourself in a number of ways, your mind, your body, your heart, and your community. Your mind, your body, your heart, and your community. So with your mind, I mean, really fasting is is as much of a mental exercise as it is a physical exercise. It's what Dave was talking about earlier, that wrestle, that wrestle with our flesh. It's it's a battle so often up here rather than down here in, in the stomach. And so spend some time in prayer. Asking God to prepare your mind for the season you're getting ready to step into. It's amazing. I've stepped into seasons of fasting unprepared. I've stepped into seasons of fasting prepared. And when I've asked God to prepare my mind, it's a totally different experience. So your mind, your body. So... No matter what kind of fast you're stepping into, if it's a food fast, um, you need to be prepared for, for your body to experience that. And so actually last year, Laura Sigenthaler, who's a dietitian by profession, um, came on a podcast and talked specifically about this. It was really helpful. Go back and listen to that if, if you want even deeper insight. But we found it's actually helpful to prepare your body Um, for any type of food fast and so one really simple way of doing this is to drink more water than you normally drink like drink a ton of water there's something about that I don't know the science behind it but it helps prepare your body um, for a fast don't overeat so as you prepare your body don't overeat I think my gut reaction literally is to be like I'm not gonna be eating tomorrow I need to eat a lot tonight or I need a lot today that's actually going to hinder um, your experience um, in, in fasting uh, your heart. Um, so more than anything, this is about the heart. Like, it's about the heart. And so preparing your heart um, is, is probably more important than anything else. And one of the ways that we've invited people to just prepare their heart in and, and past seasons is to make sure and take some time to just come before the Lord honestly in a, in a moment of confession and repentance. Before you step into a season of fasting, we want our hearts to be clean before the Lord. So if there's anything you need to bring to Him, if there's anything you need to confess, just this act of coming before the Lord, asking for a pure heart, a clean heart, is going to prepare you for for what what He has. And then the fourth one, your community. It's helpful to think through the relational rhythms that you normally have that are going to be impacted by this. And so it's going to be different for each of you. Some of you have a dinner group that you meet with each week. If you're going to be fasting from food, you probably need to give them a heads up that you know this is going to be something you're stepping into for this season. If you're fasting in the context of roommates or family, just understanding the ways that you want to prepare your community not in a not in a prideful way, and you have to be careful how you do this. Um, you, you want to you want to share in a helpful way, but not not in a way that you know puffs you up or makes you. Um, looks super, super spiritual. But it can be helpful to prepare your community as you step into uh, a season. So number one, set your objective. Number two, choose your fast. Number three, prepare yourself. Number four, make a plan. Make a plan. Like they said, spiritual fasting, um, it is just as much, if not more, about what you are filling up with and who you are leaning on than what you're letting go of. Um, So fasting without communion with God is simply dieting, and that's not at all what we're going after. So very practically, you need to think about a plan of how you are going to fill your time. How are you gonna fill your time that you spent eating or watching TV or browsing social media? How are you gonna fill that time with prayer and worship and the Word of God? I would encourage you to write these things down. Just like you did not did, but just like you you will do with your objectives, writing down your objectives, writing down very practically how and when you're going to fast, I would encourage you to to write this down. Write down your plan. And I'm not just telling you to do this because it's important. Writing them down will actually help you follow through with them. So I'm reading through Atomic Habits right now, and the great theologian James Clear uh, talks about the science behind this. Um, He calls it implementation intention. So I'm reading this thinking about fasting I'm like this is really good I need to share this Um, you are way more likely to do what you say you're going to do if you write it down and he actually goes beyond that and he talks about naming the day and the time and the place and I was like oh when I think about the season we're getting ready to enter into this is really really helpful as you begin to make a plan so I'd encourage you to write down what when And where in regards to prayer, worship and time in the word. So the simple formula that he gives is I will blank, name the behavior or spiritual discipline at blank, name the time in blank, name a specific location. So here's here's kind of what I'm getting at. So, for instance, instead of saying, hey, when I'm not eating, I'm going to spend more time praying great idea if it's me I'm probably not going to do that now I'd be more likely to do it if I said okay each morning when I wake up at 7 a.m. I'm gonna spend the first 15 minutes of my day in prayer on the couch so like getting really specific or for instance during my lunch break at work I'm gonna go on a prayer walk around the building for 30 minutes or Hey, on Wednesday mornings at 6.30 a.m., I'm going to join the prayer call at my kitchen table. So I think the more you kind of get specific with your plan, um, and all the type B people right now are like, I hate you, why are you <laughs> telling me to do this? I think the more specific you, you get with it, the more likely you are to follow through with it. Um, which bleeds into number five, start it and stick with it. Number five, start it and stick with it. Now, if you actually do steps one through four, if you set your objective, if you choose your fast, if you prepare yourself, if you make a plan, then I think you're going to start well. Um, Now, starting well and finishing well are two different things. Now, if you are a human being, there are going to be moments where the fasting journey gets difficult. Really, any time you're implementing something that goes against our fleshly desires, it's going to be difficult. And so that's why it's not just start it, it's stick with it. And within this, I just say, give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. I guarantee there's going to be a day or a moment or a week where you think, ah, this is what I set out to do. This is how I thought God was inviting me to fast and I didn't do it. Or I didn't pray when I said I was going to pray. I didn't fast when I said I was going to fast. That's okay. That's okay. Like the idea is not to Check every box. The idea is not to make this perfection. Remember, this is about your heart. So when you think about sticking with it, it's His mercies are new every morning. If you need to adjust halfway through the fast, adjust halfway through the fast. That's completely okay. The idea is not that you just push through and get to the end. It's that you actually get God. It's actually you actually understand His heart. So number one, set your objective. Number two, choose your fast. Number three, prepare yourself. Number four, make a plan. Number five, start it and stick with it. Number six, share with others. So we found that it's really helpful to fast in small community. So we'd encourage everyone, find a couple of friends. This may be a few folks from house church. This may be some roommates. This may be a spouse. Uh, this may be someone in this room tonight and you say, hey, I'm going to be fasting. Will you, will you join me on this fasting journey? Because there's going to be moments, like I said earlier, where it gets really difficult, where you feel the burdens and you need to say, man, I, I just, I'm struggling today. When you have someone that you can come to that knows what you're going through and is in the same boat, it's really, really helpful. But not just sharing the burdens we found, it's really helpful you can share the blessing. Like someone that you can say, oh, listen what God what God is doing in my heart right now, and so it's not just about fasting, on your own. It's about fasting in community. Now, we, when you do this, choose wisely. Um, you know, don't go just blasting the trumpet sound. Jesus makes it very, very clear. When we fast, we're not fasting for other people to know that we're fasting. Um, now, if you go to ethos, there's you kind of kind of know some people are fasting, and so this is a safe community to kind of pick and some, choose some people to, to let in. Uh, but as you do this, think through the heart of why why you're finding close community, people that can hold you accountable, people that can encourage you. Um, and so here's, here's the how. Set your objective, choose your fast, prepare yourself, make a plan, start it and stick with it, and share with others. And so we've walked through kind of big picture, biblical, what what is fasting on a biblical level? Okay, what, what does God do? Um, in the midst of that, why, why do we press in to this discipline in this way? And then very practically, how do you step into this? Um, and we'd love, unless you all have any other, any other thoughts um, before we jump into Q&A, um, we would love to just open up the room to just questions. Um, any, anything you're wrestling with internally or maybe a question you had coming into tonight, that you thought, oh, they'll for sure answer that. And here we are. And we didn't. Um, this is the time to ask that question. And so um, don't be shy. Um, I guarantee if you have that question, someone else in the room has that question. and So be brave and ask it. And wh- because we're recording this, um, we're going to maybe just repeat the question. We'll repeat the question. So we'll open it up. Who's the brave soul? talk about, hey, this isn't about trying to outdo the next person, how do you guys advise those who are new to this or who've been in a long time who struggle with competition when it comes to this, like, that's going to be a real strategy that the enemy's going to throw at everybody? How would you, like, say, help them that?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. Nick just said, if you couldn't hear, how do you protect your heart against that tendency for competition? So my roommate's fasting this way, and I want to fast better to prove I'm a better Christian. Or what I've also found to be an equally difficult challenge is how do I not compete with myself? Because I think sometimes there's this tendency to go, well, last year I fasted this way, so this year I've got to fast this way. And I think sometimes there's this temptation to say I've always got to be upping the game. And so one, I would just encourage you to just Ask the Lord, hey, how would you invite me to fast this year? And to spend some time listening, paying attention to what he says. Um, if you struggle with competition, um, this is going to just, I struggle with competition, just for the record. But if you're, if you're like me and you struggle with competition, this is going to crawl all over you. I think you have to embrace the spiritual discipline of intentionally losing. And you go, wait, how is that? I, go, I think it's part of the way that we pick up our cross. And so sometimes we go, Hey, I struggle with competing, maybe with my roommate. And so I know, you know, they're doing a sunup to sundown fast five days in a row. And I don't want to get in that competitive spirit. And so I'm going to choose to do it four days a week, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to commit maybe not to losing, but I'm going to commit to secrecy. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, I'm not allowed to share it with anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also found that in my own journey before where Uh, You know, I got in this habit years ago, just thinking naturally, it's a new year, I've gotta go bigger, better, harder than I did the year before. And so there was a year where intentionally I said, Sydney, I need you to keep me accountable. I'm gonna do the smallest fast I've ever done. And she's like, why are you doing that? I said, because I've gotta keep my heart pure. Because I'm starting to think about this through the lens of just this like, "Er, I'm I'm gonna get through it. And so if you struggle with competition, I would say maybe either the discipline of um, selectively losing, you know, like doing something a little less on purpose, or um, I think Jesus' call to secrecy is key um, because, you know, uh, He really meets you in that. And, and He protects you. I think He protects our hearts.
0: Forget about what I said about sharing with others, Nick. That was a—it's a really, really bad idea. Dave just kindly rebuked me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Said for the competitive. Field. No, I, yeah, 100%. I just said that for the joke. That's
2: yeah. it. The work is
1: fantastic. <laughs> Same time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get both of them. <laughs> Ladies first. first. Okay, I'm Molly. Um, I guess I'm kind of similar to competition.
0: Like, I really want to, like, tell people because I almost want to, like, encourage other people about it and become like, uh, such it's going to be, like, you know, getting to know God better and getting to know Jesus better. So, how, like, what's your advice on sharing it
1: with other people but not in kind of a way? Mm-hmm. So, like, how do we encourage
0: it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Who you choose to share it with, and, and when I shared that, the idea is like a couple of people that you know are really going to be lockstep with you spiritually speaking. Um, not sharing it with anyone and everybody, um, even in the context of say a house church, um, probably don't want to share it with the whole whole house church. Um, but I love I love what you said, Dave. I think it's really helpful. If that is something that you know you have a propensity or tendency to do. Um, to to kind of do that that secret secret thing where you say hey this is just between between me and you and maybe it's even taking a year and saying i'm not going to let anybody in on what i'm doing or how i'm doing it um and allowing just the holy spirit to work work through that
1: and so you can say hey we're fasting so we can just say hey how's your fast going um if you're trying to live into that secrecy without knowing the details or the type of the fast but it's also helpful, you know, there's been seasons where we've been fasting about something and we're fasting in a very similar way. And and it's just helpful to go, hey, we're in day number whatever. How you doing? Like, because there's there's a reality to it that sometimes just knowing that you're not alone helps you. And so I think just really trusting the Spirit's leadership in your life, you know, uh, there'll be that thing in you sometimes where you share and you're excited when you share because you're like, they're going to think I'm awesome. <laughs> and and Jesus says, "Hey, when you do that, you're getting the reward right now, which is people thinking you're great, but if you want to experience the intimacy of God, avoid that temptation." So: uh,
2: What's the best type of food to eat during the fast?: What's the best type of food to eat during the fast? Is that we?: you... That's a great question.
0: You're the yeah, dietitian. You you're definitely the healthiest of all three. So, um, <laughs> this dude at lunch, he's just eating raw carrots and all sorts of raw veggies. So you,
2: you need to take this one. I think vegetables are a good route. In all seriousness, I just think like clean foods are. I mean, that's not from a dietitian standpoint, but if you're trying to to sustain just like a like healthy non processed food, that like kind of that kind of diet, yeah.
1: I'd say lots of gravy. Lots of <laughs> tons, tons of gravy. <laughs> what if you did an all gravy fast? Like, the only thing I'm drinking is <laughs> meat gravy. <laughs> Nobody did that.
0: Cole, can you add
1: that from the podcast? <laughs> good. You know, there's actually some really great literature on, you know, uh, types of foods. Um, everybody has a different journey and relationship with food. And so... Um, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast that is posted on our website. Um, Just from a dietitian's perspective, on here's some things that you could think through. Um, There's some real clarity on what we mean by clean foods and how much water you should drink, and um, that'd be good.
2: I think you just, you get back on the bike. It's just like in every aspect of life. I mean, I feel like every year there's something that I don't do that I wanted to do. And you just understand it is about like, God sees our heart. We're his kids. He's seeing us take steps towards him. And I see this in like, in my kids, when, whenever they're doing something and and they mess up and they just want to stop. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, just cause you messed up doesn't mean this thing is over and so genuinely just letting like god's grace get you right back on the bike and so whether that be with fasting you know i remember one of the guys on our team last year he was uh or a couple years ago um he was fasting from from food or something he was so hungry one night he'd been doing like a, a a major fast and one night he just vegged out there was a bag of fritos and he just went to town on the fritos and he felt so bad he like told his wife and it's like okay, that's great. Let's start tomorrow. Like, it's okay. You're going to have some of those moments where uh, you're just weak, you're tired, you think you, you can't. And then don't let that shame, I mean, we're literally leaning into no more of God. Don't let the enemy have any room there to come in and steal that joy of connecting with God. And so just right, right now, just kind of marking that in the sand. Hey, if I mess up, I will receive his grace and I will keep going. Um, what would you say to somebody that has gone through this before and has prayed for
1: healing or has prayed for revival or salvation within family and then
2: leads up to the fast and says, like, man, I heard nothing. I
1: got nothing. Yeah, that's a great question. What happens if you've been on the journey of fasting, you've prayed a bold prayer, and at least up until this point, there's been no answer, at least that you can see, right? So um, here's the reality. Um, a lot of us or all of us or some of us will experience disappointment in in a fast and on the other side of a fast. And the question is, what do you do when the fast doesn't go the way that you expect it to? um, So one of the words of encouragement that I would give you is prayers, and like, I don't say this often, you should like write this down and really wrestle with what I mean by this. Prayers always outlast the ones who prayed them. Prayers outlast the ones who prayed them. And here's what I mean by that is, in the scriptures, how often does someone pray a prayer that God answers in the generation that follows? And that doesn't make any sense on our timeline. And we go, why would you do that? <laughs> like, you know, and, and, and we don't understand. But here's the beauty is, is prayers outlast the ones that pray them like they don't have an expiration date they don't have a shelf life even if from our perspective the time frame didn't line up and so one of the things that I would say is is in the midst of disappointment um, be reminded that that God's God's engagement with time and with history and with our lives is gonna be uniquely different than our understanding of, of how it should work so I'd say one thing is and just extending your runway in regards to when God and how God might um, answer, answer that prayer. Um, I, th- I think the second piece is just wrestling with the reality that in this life we only see in part and we only know in part. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. And so to the best of my ability, I want to pray prayers that are in step with God's heart. But there's going to be times when I'm going to ask for things that, from my perspective, I don't understand why he wouldn't just say absolutely yes right now. I don't know. And sometimes it doesn't even make any sense. But I have to go, okay, Lord, whatever it is, I see in part and I know in part, and I'm going to trust that your character is better than my understanding. And so um, this isn't just self-talk or self-help. It's really wrestling with, You know, I think it's that age old question of God is so good and he is so powerful. So how come his goodness and his power does not always intersect in my world the way that I expect it to? And that's a great wrestle of the human heart. And I'm not downplaying that at all. Every one of us in this room have places of unmet expectation in the place of prayer. And so what I'd say is keep leaning on God's character. Keep expanding your timeline. And, and keep trusting that even if you have not yet seen the breakthrough, that, that this, the story that God is writing is, is not finished in His hands. And so um, I could preach on that more and more and more because you know, I just see that in the Scriptures. I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that in, in history. Um, but man, when you're in the middle of it, um, it, is, it is really challenging. I think about our fast uh, two years ago. There were several things that we were praying about as a family. Um, two of them included, we were asking for miraculous healing in our family. And we experienced it with one of our family members during the fast, miraculous healing. And another one of our family members in our house didn't get the same healing. And there was a place of great disappointment around one, great joy around the other. So we did what we do as Claytons. We made jokes about it. Well, I guess you've sinned more than the other <laughs> you know. But we didn't really mean that. But it was just that like, wait, why did you say yes here and not yet right here? We don't know. we don't know, but we know that God's good and He's in it, and so we're still laboring in prayer for that other one. Two years later, um, and
2: so yeah. I thought about. I think you actually mentioned this a couple years ago. who's the guy mm-hmm. that decided he's going to pray for five friends? And oh, yeah. Who oh, was yeah. that? Do you remember?
1: Oh, um, uh, that was uh, George. George Mueller. George Mueller. Yeah. yeah. So,
2: you remember the details of that story? Uh, kind, uh, kind. You. Can of maybe piece kind it of together. tell the story.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, so kind of telling the story from what I remember. So George Mueller, I mean, uh, revivalist, like amazing preacher, um, saw like thousands of people come to faith. But he had five um, people that he committed to praying for. And I think over the journey of his life, um, he eventually saw all five. But it was interesting because they came at different times. Um, And the fifth one... I want to say, came at his funeral. At his funeral. Yeah, uh, the fifth one came at his funeral. And so that story of just his commitment to praying for those five friends and then his, fu- his funeral, the fifth one
2: comes to salvation, I don't, doesn't always work like that, but it's a powerful story. I think that long, I think things like that give us real encouragement to keep praying when we don't see it, because we tend to think, well, I prayed for a month really hard and God didn't hear, and it's like, what if God's teaching us to pray for 25 years for something and he's gonna answer it because he wants us to be like the persistent widow because he knows that's gonna be an encouragement to somebody else down the road. And it's like, do we have the, the faith to take Jesus at his word? I'm gonna keep knocking on that door with expectation even when it's not coming. And so I think hearing like, cause I remember like there were details, like one friend came at like pretty quick and then one friend, it was like 10 years later, one year 25 years later. And so I think it he just helps us expand like, oh, okay. When you understand, sometimes God doesn't, doesn't mean he's not listening to you or you're not praying the right way or you're, you didn't choose the right fast. It's like, no, what do, you, what do you know to be true? Well, God wants us to keep asking. And it, he doesn't say, hey, when you ask, tomorrow you're going to receive. Ask and you will receive. Like, so continue to ask. That's a good
0: question. A really great book um, on this is God on Mute by Pete Gregg. Um, just a great book on wrestling with unanswered prayer. Um, and he has actually a prayer course that goes with it. But the book God on mute, um, just wrestling with unanswered prayer. He has a really amazing story. Him and his wife, his wife deals with a chronic illness and still has it. Um, and they've seen wild, miraculous things happen. And yet his own wife um, has, a, has a chronic health thing she she deals with. And so they're they're amazing and the book's really, really good if you're looking for a practical resource to wrestle through.
2: What's a good way to find something that you actually like should give up or fast for a while?
1: such just that thing that you really like don't want to go without or what?
0: Probably. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think your, your, your heart and mind is in in the right spot. Um, ultimately ask God, um, I mean, that's just, as you choose your fast and what you're fasting from, I mean, just ask him like, God, what are you, what are you inviting me to give up in this season? Um, and I, I believe he'll, by the power of the spirit, he's going to speak that into your heart. Um, but. When, when in doubt, yeah, I mean, the thing that you don't want to give up, it's, it's probably a good thing to give up for God.
1: And, and sometimes even just asking the question, what takes a lot of time? Mm. What takes a lot of my time? And you probably can't fast from work, but, you know, there's, <laughs> there's probably something, if you're really honest, you're like, man, I, I give more time. Guys, I'm, I'm going to be fasting from work
0: for the next You know, <laughs> you know just like something that you give
1: a lot of energy to, that you can meet the Lord in that.
2: that's good yeah this might be a question maybe you don't maybe you're not you don't feel this maybe because you would ask if you did but i was just thinking how have how have you like discerned this is what i know i need to fast like that might be helpful for people who are first time kind of stepping into this what because i because i think sometimes it's like hey just pray and it's like all right how do i know what god's leading me to do and you might feel that you might not i think sometimes it's it could be helpful for us to go hey how so how have you discerned over the past couple years like Oh this is what I think god's calling me to do mm.
0: That's a great question brandon um, I, I think for me I, I look at ways i've experienced God in fasting um, and I look i mean thankfully there's some actual fast to kind of choose from and lay out lay out before the Lord um, I think I, I just I just when i 'm kind of discerning something like that i don't often um, hear like oh this is the fast but I will get a sense of just peace that's um, kind of look for that Shalom that, that that peace over something it's like oh okay my heart when I think about fasting in this way um, God will kind of just bring some peace um, to something that, that I that I lay out um, and so yeah I, I think but I'm I also kind of think practically like what are the things that are taking up my time um, that I would love to to give over to God. And I just think about very practically, hey, I'm going to do those. And I I would encourage you like if you're feeling called to uh, to a food fast, I think something that's been helpful for me, take this or leave it. um, Also add in a soul fast like I would I would just blanket statement just say, I think everyone needs to do a soul fast. I know everyone can't. Um, can't do it for work purposes and all that stuff. But like, if you can like eliminate the, the distractions. Um, I don't know if
1: I should have said that or not, but that's how I feel.
2: What about you, Dave? How have you discerned? You know, I think
1: a lot of times what I'll do is I'll similar process to Andrew, but I'll just start with, okay, God, we're doing a 30 day fast. Here's here's what's on my heart. You know, I'll just talk with them about it. Hey, here's what's on my heart for the next 30 days. And I'll just pray about it for a couple of days. Typically, I'll share it with Sydney or a close friend and just say, hey, give me some feedback on this. And, you know, there's times where Sid will just say, hey, that, you know, that that sounds in step with God's heart for you in this season. There's other times she'll say, she'll say hey, do you think you're taking the easy way out? <laughs> like, or um, do you think God's inviting you to more? And there's also been times where she said, Hey, you need to check your heart that you're not just doing that whole competition thing. And mm-hmm. so, um, I found just taking a couple of days to, to pray about it and having like one person that I can share it with and say, hey, what's some feedback? Um, that's been a really helpful clarifying um, thing for me. Um, one thing that I'd say is, if your desire is to meet God, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't overthink it. Like you know, I just wouldn't overthink it. I, I wouldn't go, oh man, should. You know, should I do this or this? Um, um, ask him, and ask him to purify your heart, and ask him to take away your peace if it's not the right journey for you. Mm-hmm. But, but I would say any of these journeys um, with a good heart, it's a great step. And that's good. And so I think sometimes even just asking him to take away your peace if it's that's good if it's not what you should do. Yeah, that's yeah good.
2: I, I think for me, just uh, looking back on the past couple of years, learning that part of how i heard god speaking was just through other people like someone would share oh i think this is what i what i'm what i might be trying to step into and it was like oh that really resonates with me like as i've been kind of praying just kind of listening for like i could mm-hmm. think of um, at least two different times where someone shared something and it was just like a bell going off like oh yeah i want to i want to do that or, i feel like that's something i should take a step in and so even just kind of having your your ears open to like God's speaking through your close friends and, like, illuminating path. So, other questions? Um, Very fast for the actual time, for actual time in uh, in the Word, do you have any good
1: recommendations for, like, a plan? We can go through, like, a little bit more specific
2: structure for that. Yeah
1: yeah so if if you're wanting a plan for how you get in the word how you pray a um, couple of things that we'd recommend so as a church family um, throughout the fast every monday through friday at six thirty in the morning and at eight thirty at night we're gonna have a 30 minute prayer call on zoom and i know most of us were so zoomed out you know like we still haven't recovered from the pandemic but here's the reality is every year it is literally one of my favorite things we do because when you're all going after God together, it's amazing to get online. And, and we keep it really tight because we have work and we have things that we have to get to. Um, but, but we pray together and it's really communal and it's really powerful. You don't even have to turn on your camera if you don't want people to see you that early in the morning or that late at night. So um, I found that to be a really good communal rhythm. And then we're going to have a daily reading plan that we're passing out this Sunday. That will go throughout the fast, where um, we're going to have we're going through First John and through the book of Proverbs together, just a daily reading. And so every day as a church family, we're gonna we're gonna reflect on some scripture. In the mornings and evenings, we're gonna pray those scriptures, and we're giving you some questions to even journal those scriptures. Like, so it's just a good starting point, you know. And I'd encourage you to just kind of like a baseline. How do you how do you kick it off? Um, That'd be good.
2: Yeah. A couple other things. We're going to have two books available at HV and at downtown. Um, one is by um, one of our elders wives, Jen Barnett. She leads our freedom prayer ministry here. She wrote a book called First Freedoms. And so if you're looking for, you know, some other great material besides like the Bible to just learn, they have that book. And then what's Sean's book called? It's just called Prayer. Prayer. Yeah. And so you want to talk about that book a little bit. Yeah. So
1: another guy in our church, Sean Hansen, wrote a book called Prayer and it's amazing. It's just a some really simple straightforward practices about how to engage uh, in prayer and those resources all the resources are free the books are free the reading plans are free it's, it's just all we want to equip our church family um, to take those yeah. and so along with our reading plan this would be great
2: great yeah. starters and i don't know if this is just for you or but i just thought about i have a, a guy that i walk with and he decided he was going to read through the bible in 30 days and so there's like, I don't know, some of you might have, you go, hey, I've got a lot of time if I'm, if I'm fast, if I'm trying to give up. And so I'd encourage you to, to really kind of think through, like we're doing Proverbs. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying. If that, you're a
1: Christian, you'll do that. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've never read through the
2: Bible in 30 days. So I'm not saying like, hey, that's what you need to do. I, I just, I, I encourage you to really think through, like if you're, if you're used to watching TV for two hours at night, like that might be something you go, hey, I need something like that to really kind of go after and it's chew and I want to take in the story of God in a way that I never have. And so to even think about, man, giving up Netflix at night is going to be tough. Well, if you think about something like that, that could be an alternate. <laughs> what do you Nick's, Nick's over here like, oh 30 days, I can do this. <laughs> Nick's like, I'm doing it in 15. Uh, like, uh,
1: we, we had a friend in our house church two years ago that decided to do that. And at the end of the fast, you know, she not shared that with anybody. And so at the end of the fast, we're all talking about, hey, what's happened? What's happened? Like, what did she do? She goes, I just finished reading the whole Bible in 30 days. And we'd all already shared our stuff. <laughs> and if you've ever felt just like the weight of spiritual shame like <laughs> fell on the room, we're like, wait, that's what you did? You know, I wish she would have gone first so we could have all lied, like, you know, <laughs> up, to our, up to our game. <laughs> One more question. Yeah. So I've done a past in
2: the past where it just made me physically ill. And I, I think
0: what's the balance between? okay, there's going to be some discomfort and maybe choosing your fast well and comparing your body and your mind well can help with some of those things. But at what point do you say, I need to adjust or maybe there's some spiritual work going on? Like, how do you discern that?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I've, I've found to be really helpful is, you know, in the context of a fast, whether you're doing it for a day or a number of days, there's this thing that begins to happen in your body that actually gives you insight into your soul. And what's gonna happen in your body is your body is gonna say, you're depriving me of something, I'm dying, and I will die unless you give that thing to me. Like, you know, sometimes you feel that between breakfast and lunch, you know, <laughs> you're like, I'm dying. Like, and, and, and so, one, there's this thing that happens in any fast, long or short, where your body will go, hey, I need something, and I demand that you give it to me. And one of the gifts of fasting is, as you push through that in a healthy way, so you know, you need to check with doctors and all those things, but as you push through that in a healthy way, there's a moment in every fast where you begin to discern the difference between a need and a want. And what you realize is that most of our life, we, we choose to treat our wants as though they're needs. And when you see that separation in your physical reality, it does something amazing in your spiritual reality. And you start going, hey, just like I'm paying attention to what I'm putting in my mouth, I'm going to start paying attention to what I put in my soul. Um, You know, that being said, um, all of us have different um, physical realities. And so on the front end, leading into a fast, going, I'm going to set myself up to succeed. I'm going to drink lots of water. I'm going to eat really clean. I'm I'm going to choose to be healthy going into it. And I'm not going to extend myself in a way that goes beyond, you know, um, what makes sense for this moment of life that I'm in. And so um, last year I was talking to a woman that just experiences extreme migraines just all the time. And I said, you know, it'd probably be wise for you to choose a fast that allows you to to eat some food that helps you combat the migraines because it's really tough to fellowship with God. When your mind is just in this place of excruciating pain, so don't don't put a burden on yourself that actually keeps you from the Lord, and so just just ask Him to to help guide you through that. And so I'd encourage you to to pay attention to you know some health things there. So yeah,
2: yeah, and I think I think it's important to like some people really do. It's like an it's an excuse like oh it's just hard I don't want to. And then some there's legit like medical things and we're not going to tell you you need to just push through this. That's just not who we are. Like that's a, that's a, that's the deal you need to work out like with your doctor and all that stuff. Um, and so yeah, you want to understand the heart of the heart of fasting is reliance on God. It's more of God. And for you just to be really wise, even going, Hey, if the last time I fasted, you know, I was in the hospital for, for two weeks afterwards maybe look at a different kind of fast than, you know, a you know, major fast. And so I, I'm not trying to, I know it's a really serious thing. And so I'm just saying, like, I'm glad that you're asking that question, that you're wrestling with that. And I hope that you don't hear us saying, hey, we're all doing major fasts. And if you don't do it, you're not doing it the right way. That's not what we're trying to say at all. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's a real, like, spectrum in all of that, that we all just kind of fit on. you got to use wisdom and walk with God through that.
1: And if any of you have really specific questions you know, tonight, or if you leave here and go, I've got this really specific question I forgot to ask, we would love for you to ask us. You know, you can find us on a Sunday, you can shoot us an email, you can stick around tonight. Um, We, you know, maybe you have a question that you need to ask personally, but you don't feel comfortable in front of the whole group. Or maybe you have a question that you wanna ask, but you don't wanna ask three dudes. You wanna talk to somebody, um, you know, that's a female, and we have females that would love to talk to you, we'd love to connect you with. And so, whether it's tonight or, you know, after this, we'd love to help you out. Um, this is a safe space to do that, and we just want to help you take another step.
0: For sure. Uh, I'd love to just pray. Pray to close out our time. Pray for you all um, as, you, as you step into this uh, season. And so, yeah, God, we we just take a moment and remember you're at the center of this all. You are at the center of this conversation. It is You we want. It is You we long for. God, if there is um, anything that was said tonight that is not of You or from You, um, I just ask ask that it would be forgotten. Um, God, if there are things that uh, were from You, that that spoke to hearts, that are going to help people step into life with You, um, I ask that they would be remembered. Um, that they would be acted upon. And God, that you would respond in ways uh, that just exceed expectations. And Lord, just our cry as a family, as a group of people here on on Wednesday night, is just, we want you. Um, We want to see you move. We want to see you work. Uh, We want to see you do um, things in our life and the lives of people around us. But God, more than that, we want you And so will you just reveal yourself to us? Will you reveal your face to us? Will you um, come in and give us life um, in ways um, only you can? And Jesus, we pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Thank you all for being here. We'll hang around um, for questions. Come up, ask them. Oh yeah, hey, we do have a resource um, that we've uh, used through the years. Written by our very own Dave Clayton. So, if you want to grab a resource that helps you kind of step into fasting, a lot of the stuff we talked about tonight, uh, the practical stuff, and even some of the um, biblical examples, is in here as well, more fleshed out. There's copies in the back. Feel free to grab one. If it's your first time fasting, you don't have this, want to read through it, this will be really helpful in understanding. Love y'all. Have a great night.